Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's Pull List for new comics on sale December 9th, 2020. I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M. I'm Tucker Marcus. And this is the show where we tell you all about the brand new Marvel comics coming around every week. We have a heck of an episode for you today because not only are we talking about some great new comics, uh, we're going to get into our picks. You'll hear a fun little... When we talk about our favorite books of the week, uh, we're also going to throw out some pulleys, which are our weekly awards we give to every single book. Uh, just fun stuff that we pick and choose as we go along. On top of that, we also have a reading club where we are joined by amazing comic book creators to talk about some classic works uh, or in this case, some brand freaking new works. We are uh, following up on our episode from last week where we had Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman, the writer and artist respectively of the brand new King and Black storyline. Last week, we talked about Venom number one. This week, Tucker, what are we talking about with them? This week, we are doing a delightful, deranged director's commentary on King in Black number one, one of the most anticipated new issues of the year, um, one of the most anticipated events. I know people are so excited about it. Um, this is one that uh, is deeply connected to Venom number one. So if you haven't listened to that interview, highly recommend it uh, and go back and while you do listen, you can follow along for free uh, with Venom number one on Marvel Unlimited. Um, but this week we are going to get into some heavy spoiler territory, talking about everything that went down in last week's King in Black number one. And there's a lot that happened in that issue. Yeah, and it's, it's a massive issue. I think it's like the triple length issue or whatever yeah. it is. It's really big. So we really do stress. Please read King and Black number one before you get into the reading club a little bit later in the episode. Tucker, my weekly ask, Ooh. are you caught up on The Mandalorian? No. <laughs> I'm very perturbed. I will continue to be. I'm thinking I'm just going to do weeks. like a one long, like two days of just, um, you know, helmeted goodness all at once. I'm going to chomp it down. Um, have you been, have you able to avoid spoilers no no oh, okay. not even say. close okay. yeah. <laughs> i was gonna say because there's a big one and, and all right. yeah yeah, okay. yeah. Great. well done um, thank you yeah have you watched anything cool uh, when you're not watching the mandalorian that is a good question you know i had never seen the godfather until about a week ago wow. watch that okay that was fun did, did you enjoy it? I enjoyed. Um, Jorge uh, just appeared. Our producer Jorge just appeared to exclaim with his yeah. eyes. He's screaming with his eyes. Yeah. Tuned in. Um, watched. Uh, spent a sprightly evening with the Corleones. Um, yeah, of course. It's great. Uh, I particularly uh, loved uh, old Jimmy Khan. I mean, that's where it was really at for me. Yeah. Uh, love that. He's, he's real good. He's real yeah. good. Um, How about you? My my wife, Elizabeth, not only has she made a full turkey for us for Thanksgiving, and then we've been feasting on it for about a week <laughs> afterwards with latest uh, is turkey gumbo that she's from Louisiana. And so she's making delicious turkey gumbo. On the flip side, she has decided we need to watch The Crown. And <laughs> I was like, I can't do four seasons of this yeah. and she's like we'll just start with season four it's the one that takes place while we're we've been alive it was like fine so as, as of this recording we've watched one episode that was a low point for me at one point 
where I watched like the first six episodes of The Crown. That was just a real marker of how bored I was at one point. Where it's just like, what am I doing? I had like some great performances and it's of beautifully shot. I, I, love, have... I love so many of those actors. Oh yes. my God. But like, I just, not in my wheelhouse. You say not, not in my wheelhouse whatsoever. <laughs> but you know what is in, I think, both of our wheelhouses Brand new comics out this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what, Tucker? Normally, I ask you to kick us off, but I want to start first because one of my first picks of the week is Guardians of the Galaxy number nine, and it is written by Al Ewing with art by Juan Cabal, colors by Federico Blee, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Oh, boy. This one I'm, I want to give a pulley to as the, uh, the pulley for Journey of the Week because... Boy, oh boy, I had no freaking clue what was in store in this issue when I opened it up. And I am a little hesitant to talk too much about it because it is full of surprises. It is weird. It is gorgeous. Just drop dead gorgeous. Juan Cabal is one of our Stormbreakers, so one of the artists that we at Marvel are looking at is like forging ahead, showing the future. This is one of those superstars that um, you know will really be one of those key names for Marvel in the future. And this is one of those issues where you go, yep, if you hadn't seen it before on his Wolverine stuff or the other projects Juan has been on, you will 100% see it in this issue panel layouts and just everything about it on top of that you got these beautiful beautiful colors by federico it's 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 all about star lord um earlier in the series star lord was killed this picks up with that as star lord was fighting the resurrected jerk hole uh <laughs> olympian gods i'm looking at this issue and i'm still like flabbergasted by it it is really tremendous and Look, if you're a Star-Lord fan, if you're a Guardians of the Galaxy fan, if you are a fan of weird Marvel, this is a book to pick up. It's I think it's a book people are going to be talking about for quite a while just for the just the the execution of it all if nothing else. I am right there with you. I can scream the name Juan Cabal from the top of every building in New York City. What a talent and it's always so much fun to see. I feel like you could see Al Ewing just looking for ways to unleash that in different ways, especially in a cosmic book like Guardians. It's perfect casting. It's so good. Okay. Now we move from Guardians to uh, another big pick this week. An excellent issue of Marauders. It's Marauders number 16. It's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Ryan, you and I both agreed Oof. this definitely had to be one of the picks of the week. Uh, I am right there with you uh, for about five different reasons. Um, usually, if we just had one good reason, that's good enough, but there is so much jam-packed in here, I think particularly for Kate Pride fans. There is, I don't know, this one might get my pulley for like single punch of the week. <laughs> Um, there's something that's so good and like pulley for it, throat punch of the week. Throat punch of the week is in there. In which yeah. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> um, there's also a sequence with Glob Herman, which oh. is incredible. It's one of those things where it's just like a kind of framed pretty wide and it's told over the course of, uh, I think it's actually a nine panel uh, page. 
And it's just like the way that Stefano communicates the comedy of that moment is unbelievable to me. It's so, so good and so funny. This is a really cathartic issue. It's a really interesting issue. There's a lot going on in here. And, you know, I am so on board with uh, everything that Jerry is doing in uh, Marauders that I want to scream and shout and be get so excited. But at the same time, I know he has the ability to pull the rug right out from under you. So I'm always a little bit skittish about things. The ending of the book yeah. is so perfectly done in its ominousness. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, well, I, I, what am I looking at here in right. like the best way possible? <laughs> oh, so good. It's so, so good. Um, uh, now that we're coming off of Ten of Swords and how just unbelievable that crossover was and all the ramifications it had for so many different characters. Now we're digging back into being able to spend a little bit more time with the characters on an individual basis, on the storylines that have been brewing for about a year now, almost a year. It's just a delight to dig back into this and, and what a great issue. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when you said cathartic, I think that's one of the perfect words for this issue. It gets a pulley for me for the most satisfying comic of the week. You just soak it in. Enjoy it now. Because, yeah, we know Jerry. <laughs> yeah. He's going to hurt us real bad, <laughs> real bad, real soon. We know that. Um, all right. My second pick of the week is another Al Ewing joint. This is Sword Number One. It is written by Al with art by Valerio Schiti, colors by Marte Gracia, letters by VCs Ariana Mar. It's a big number one. I think bigger than anyone fully realizes quite yet. Mm. And it's sort of, it feels like one of those tentpole starts of the next like era for X-Men. And it actually kind of is because, you know, we've had House of X, Powers of 10, Dawn of X. And we recently started talking about how now we're getting into the reign of X, R-E-I-G-N. And this is one of the big ones here. This is, uh, if you've not read 10 of Swords, you will have missed how the, uh, the sword played a part in it. But the sword is this big space station. If you think of, you know, you have, Sword and shield, shield sort of protecting a lot of the planet. Well, sword has for a long time sort of been the protector of the planet from space, dealing with a lot of alien stuff, uh, some really cool stuff that we've done over the years, but it's kind of laying dormant for a little bit. And now sword is a mutant program to sort of forge mutant kind into the stars further and further. And it lives up to it. it is the, the idea of like, this is where we're going is so much bigger than, than we could have even thought huge ideas. And, you know, Al Ewing is showing this week in these two books that he's just like a crazy idea guy that backs it up with emotion, with moments, with like feeling. And then you give him great artists like, you know, Juan and Valerio and it just, everything just explodes off the page. I'm going to give a pulley to this one for biggest weird mutant energy of the week in all kinds <laughs> of ways. It's a weird book. I love it. You guys know I love weird. I'm also going to give it the pulley for most appearances by Ryan's most obscure favorites because <laughs> you got peepers. You guys, friggin' peepers is in this book. So a little background. Peepers, random, pretty obscure Marvel mutant character, but in the Marvel offices for the longest time, we had a we had a place in the Marvel offices where there were animation cells from the nineties X-Men and Spider-Man cartoons. And they were great. 
one of the cells, it's this beautiful cell from the X-Men 90s cartoon, had four or five mutants standing there from one random episode. And there it's, I say random because random, the character with the gun arm is <laughs> in there. I think random is in this book too. Maybe he was random was in another book I've read recently, but random's there. And you've got like a dude with lobster claws who, whose name escapes me. I, I always forget him. He, he's a character who's been part of like brotherhood stuff. There's a dude who's got like an Italian or Irish flag. And it's like really a weird. I, I don't know that character. I think they just made him up. And then, <laughs> There's peepers. Peepers is like right in the middle there. And I would show this animation sell off to every celebrity who visited Marvel <laughs> comics. Every time I gave a tour, I'd be like, this is a sell from the X-Men animated series. And this, and this character is this character. This is peepers. And now I get to be like, we have a comic book where peepers is in it and is like, Magneto is like, ah, my old friend. Peepers. <laughs> You have no idea the joy that flooded over me as I was reading this book. It's so good. On top of Peepers, we got Fabian Cortez, a 90s just a-hole who is wonderful in this book. Blink, Gateway, Manifold. Like this is, it's like Al was like, Ryan, who do you want to see in this book? And then he just took all my favorites and put them in there. I love this book so much. It's gorgeous. It's weird. It's mutants in space and everything that comes along with it. Highest possible recommendation. Oh, yeah. That's so funny, that like extra bit of joy that even I know that old little like two by two square of the old office yep. where you definitely gave thousands of tours and I probably gave dozens. And it was always a thing of, could you name any of these guys? And no matter what level of Marvel expert we brought through, they were like, wow, I don't know. No, yeah, there's very few who could have named <laughs> yeah. anyone on there. It's great. Uh, so much fun. Okay. Um, uh, the last pick that I have this week is a digital exclusive and it's called Heroes at Home. Number one, it's written by Zeb Wells with art by Gudahiru and letters by the team at Virtual Calligraphy. Uh, this is, uh, Maybe, I don't know if it's the issue that I would have expected, but it is certainly the one that I needed. Zeb Wells, uh, writer of Hellions and so much more, an excellent Peter Porker limited series that we got from him, as well as a ton of other stuff, is the perfect writer for this. It's essentially a bunch of little uh, snapshots of seeing what a bunch of characters' lives are like at home. Uh, if they're stuck at home, whether that's Peter Parker in his apartment or T'Challa in his Wakandan palace or Hulk uh, kind of just on his street, they're just these really wonderful, delightful little uh, snapshots of certain moments. A bunch of them go by without any dialogue at all, which I actually really, really enjoy. And uh, this one, I have to give a specific shout out to the Venom one here, which will get my pulley of the week for best character sitting on the toilet shot of the week. <laughs> we have a ton to pick from, but this was my choice. This was my selection. Um, you got Eddie. He's just he's at home and, you know, he's got normal guy stuff to deal with. Um, he does have the symbiote to help him, but he's just a guy. Anyway, what a what a delight. What a what a really warming and wonderful I, I want to make that clear that it's not 
you're not saying guy in the gendered sense. You're just meaning sort of like person. Uh, yeah. It's just like a person a friggin- doing stuff. Yeah. I, I want to make that clear. Less confusing <laughs> in, the, in the wording of it. Uh, but yes, that was a friggin' terrific issue. Um, so fun. So, so great. All right, let's give out some pulleys as we go through the rest of the books that are out this week. I'll start us off with Amazing Spider-Man number 54. We are deep into Last Remains, this giant, really heart-rending story where Spider-Man is coming to terms with some real demons that are going on. And uh, I will give this the pulley for most unsettling book of the week because it's a big fight between Kindred, the villain that has been sort of stalking Spider-Man for over two years, and Spider-Man's Kindred versus Spider-Man. I just say, yikes. Mark Bagley is just a friggin' treasure, and the things he's been tasked to draw in this issue, wow. There's some uh, wild stuff, certainly, in that issue of ASM, but there's also a bunch of wild stuff happening in Avengers number 39. This continues to be one of the most off-the-wall, unexpected, highly varied series out of all Marvel comics being published today, and uh, I applaud the entire creative team for their work. Every single issue is so imaginative, so much fun. This one focuses in on the phoenix of one million years BC. We get a backstory for that character. Obviously, the Avengers of a million years BC, in case you aren't informed on them, uh, were introduced maybe a couple of years ago now in Marvel Legacy number one. That's where we got our very first tease of these characters. And there's been a slow drip of information about them ever since. Certainly a bunch has come out in this Avengers book as we've gotten it since uh, 2018 when it launched. And this is a really, really fascinating one. See mutants in a million years BC to see what that's like to explore that is so interesting and so much fun. This issue, though, gets my pulley for Cyclops Baby of the Week. And by that, I do not mean Scott Summers. I'll leave it there. Or do you? Uh, Let's go to Captain Marvel number 24, which gets one of my rare ties for the pulley, giving a pulley to two books for the same pulley. It's a pulley for reality. I want uh, dozens more issues about in this one, in Captain Marvel 24. It's this uh, post-apocalyptic future reality, the year 2052. We've got all kinds of amazing legacy characters. We really get the origin of Ove, the big character at the heart of some of the the concerns going on in Captain Marvel's mind, we get to see that Ove, yes, not just looks like Namor, but is related to Namor and so much more. So, uh, yeah, I, look, if we could spin this off into its own book, I would be super happy. Yeah. Hey, some real interesting and really wild stuff happening over in Conan the Barbarian number 17. Of course, we get a ton of beefcakey goodness from all the old Sumerian Barbarian. This issue is really, really cool, though. It kind of put me in the mind of like certain like Lord of the Rings kind of nightmare sequences, um, like ring wraithy um, strangeness in here. Essentially, there is a blade that has entered Conan's life and uh, it leads him on certain journeys that are really, really interesting. Of course, this creative team finds just yet another way 
for Conan to scream something epic and then slash someone uh, with whatever sharp object he's holding. In this case, someone asks or like has an interest in the blade that he's holding and he says, you want to see my new sword, you little bastard? Here, <laughs> see it all. And then, of course, he just slices him basically in half. It's so good and so much fun. Really, really interesting dark issue, this one. Yeah. Uh, Juggernaut number four gets my pulley for feel-good moments of the week. Juggernaut beating up some Nazi scum. You give me somebody <laughs> punching on a Nazi, I'm going to love it up. Giving him, I'm, 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 I'm going to eat it up. <laughs> and the Nazi in question here is Arnim Zola, which is a character I love to see get its ass kicked. You could tell that like Fabianicia and Ron Garnian team are just having a blast with this book. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And speaking of having a blast, next up we have King in Black Namor number one. Uh, this is so much fun just in terms of the premise um, because you have a big uh, event like King in Black where symbiotes and symbiote dragons are descending upon Earth. And there are certain places where you would expect to see that explored. New York City, obviously, that's what goes down in King in Black number one. But the symbiotes cover the entire planet. And uh, exploring what happens in every uh, iteration of what that means, including how Namor might factor into that is what this issue deals with. Look, anytime you'll give me a Marvel classic writer like Kurt Busiek and a character like Namor, I am on board. I will just read anything that Kurt does with this character in this one. Uh, it was totally unexpected. I certainly had something in mind for what this issue might be, especially given the fact that it's a King and Black tie-in. And this totally defied my expectations. Really, really interesting. And above it all, it carries the depth of Namor. And that's something that I certainly expected and that was certainly delivered on because Kurt, as a writer, obviously knows this character like the back of his hand. Not just the surface level stuff about him, no pun intended, but certainly the depth and the darkness of that character. So in that way, I was just absolutely delighted. I, and this one for, for my pulley this week, um, maybe colors of the week for Triana Farrell, who is the colorist on this issue. That was a big part of it for me. It was just like the tone of the book is so set by that. And I really, really enjoyed it. It was just totally out of left field in the best way. Yeah, uh, that was nearly one of my picks of the week. So dang good. Another book that's so dang good is Spider-Man number five, uh, which is the book by J.J. Abrams and his son, Henry Abrams, uh, which because of the, the pandemic and shipping and, and everything, it sort of came out in a long period of time, these five issues. But I think I would really suggest people go back and read this as one tight story and it's really good. It surprised the hell out of me. I know we picked the first issue when it came out and this fifth issue really hit me at the end. Like I, I love the way it wrapped up. And so it gets uh, my pulley for the tie of reality. I want tons more stories about because this leaves off in a way where I'm like, all right, what's next? Give me more. Uh, I think they did a fantastic job. And I mean, look, Sarah Kelly, what a legend. Yeah, just unbelievable, amazing stuff. I'm right there with you. Uh, next up, we go over to the realm of Star Wars with Star Wars number nine. Uh, this issue kicks off a new story arc 
uh, and this is part one, uh, called Operation Starlight, part one, The Ancient Relic. We are, of course, in the aftermath of The Empire Strikes Back, the events of The Empire Strikes Back, uh, and now essentially playing in that space between Empire and Return of the Jedi, which has always been one of the most fascinating elements to me. And to be able to jump in here to explore some new characters, maybe some familiar alien species, but new characters and getting to know them is really, really fun. It's one of my favorite things that we get to do in Star Wars comics. And then as well, 3PO has some really cool moments in this issue, which I really enjoyed. Um, and then there was something else, which I was just always delighted to see. Ryan, I saw it was something you take note of, and that is L-O-B-O-T, that is robot, but spelled with an L, a.k.a. Lobot, my man. Uh, <laughs> what, what I loved about it, too, is Lobot's got like a different... You can't call it hairstyle because yeah, yeah, he's got yeah. like these little wires <laughs> hanging off of his little Lobot headgear. Yeah. And I was like, it kind of yeah. looks like he's got like a Rick James hair thing going on. Yes. Yeah, you're I right. am super into it. Give me all the Lobot they can dish out. Um, unfortunately, there's no Lobot in Strange Academy number six, but it is a hell of an issue. It actually gets my pulley for double page spread of the week. Um, it's like just a couple pages into it and you get this gorgeous, gorgeous spread by Umberto Ramos with colors by Edgar Delgado as Magic and Zelma are looking for the kids. The coloring on it and the way it's shaded, it is jaw-droppingly beautiful. Uh, Umberto is one of my favorite artists. He's one of my favorite people in comics. This is, it, it's a stunning two-pager, just absolutely stunning. Uh, almost as stunning as the events that unfold in the issue, which I did not know were going to happen and really caught me off guard. It's a, it's a big one. Yeah, totally. Okay, next up we have The Rise of Ultraman number four. This is really starting to dig into the kaiju action that I was so excited about right from the off, getting to know this series and this character and this book and this world. And for me, there's like one monster in particular in here that might get my like monster design of the week holy because it is very unsettling and I think just wonderfully executed. There's this perfect kind of realm that this book uh, plays in, which is just like delightful, awesome, maybe even a little bit like truly 1960s inspired kind of kaiju action where certain kaiju that we see in here are like, I could kind of see how that could also be rendered as a man in a big rubber suit, but it totally plays in the world. Um, and it's really, really fun to read. And this, you know, the scale of this series is something that continues to surprise me. And I, I really, really enjoy it. I enjoy the tone, the colors I think are excellent. Um, and the way that we continue to venture through this story now as we move towards the final issue, next up with number five, uh, it has been a really, really, really fun read. Heck yeah. Um, all right. We we are going to be talking about King of Black in a minute, but um, we do have another King of Black book here with Venom number 31. This picks up right after, like, right at the last bits of King of Black number one. So um, because you are reading King of Black number one, so you're all caught up on our uh, reading club and create our commentary of the issue, you should definitely pick up Venom number 31 and just dive right into it afterwards. I don't want to say anything more. That gives away all the stuff that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, but my pulley for this one is Secret Venom MVP goes to Iban Coelho, uh, another one of our uh, Stormbreakers. Iban 
sneakily has been doing like the most venom work out of any artist of the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like if you look at the number of issues Ebon has drawn more than Ryan, more than anybody else, it's, and it like just really great work here. There's some brutal stuff that goes down um, and very emotional stuff as uh, when you see Dylan, what's going on with him. So big shouts to Ebon Coelho, who's like me, big Dragon Ball fan. So I know he's a good person. <laughs> yeah, huge fan of Ubon as well. Uh, okay, our final issue this week is Warhammer 40,000 Marnius Calgar, number three. This, speaking of artists, is I think a really great showcase for the talents of Jason Burroughs, who's the artist on this issue. Jason, I was a huge fan of his work on a Moon Knight book that we had a couple of years ago, which was really, really cool. This is bloody. Uh, that's something that I think, thinking of that uh, Moon Knight book, when the editor uh, and the editorial team of this series knew the kind of blood and guts that we were going to be getting, they said, let's get that Burroughs bloke involved because we know he can do it. There's also some really cool uh, sort of like ancillary material, kind of like tour of the world stuff that we get in text form a couple times in this issue, which I found really uh, useful and I think a handy deeper dive into what is obviously a universe that cannot be contained without within a single series. Obviously, uh, at the same time, Kieran Gillen does an excellent job of giving you that spirit and that energy and letting you know that there's something bigger there. But those little details, I think, are really, really useful, um, especially for someone who might be a newer reader and getting that exposure. It's really, really fun stuff. And yeah, a lot of blood in this one. Okay, that's what we have for our individual issues this week. That's what we have for our pulleys this week. Now moving on to collections, we have some really good stuff, a bunch of excellent things to choose from. I might pick for my recommendation, Giant Size X-Men by Jonathan Hickman. That is uh, a bunch of one-shot issues where um, head of X Jonathan Hickman teamed up with some of the best artists in the business to do some deep dives into some character work, see where various characters are at this stage in their history, at this stage of everything going on in Dawn of X and then the build up to uh, Ten of Swords, really beautiful stuff. And I think overall served as just a great tapestry for some incredible artists to weave their wonders upon. Agreed. Uh, we also, of course, have Marvel Unlimited, which uh, if you're not subscribed to Marvel Unlimited, you're missing out because this week, the first issue of Black Widow, which if you missed last week, I named it my favorite Black Widow series of all time. Wow. And the first story arc isn't even finished. <laughs> you can read the first issue on Marvel Unlimited this week, as well as the first issue of Marvel Zombies Resurrection and tons more. We'll put the full list of all those books uh, that we've talked about, all the books out this week on the Marvel.com article. Uh, before we get into our wonderful chat with uh, Donnie and Ryan about King and Black number one, I want to do a little shout out on uh, to some of our listeners one Mr. The Tech Lord at Lex Pendragon just he said, thanks for putting out the great podcasts uh, of Marvel's pull list and This Week of Marvel. So thank you, Lex, for listening. And to Jason Getchell at Getch Lives, uh, who listened to last week's uh, creative commentary saying, I freaking love this so much. A shout out to Vess's Web of Spidey number one. Foreshadowing of the Clintar wing still blows my freaking mind. Uh, hope you learned a lot more about this whole process, Mr. Getchell. Um, we did too. 
And uh, a big shout out and thank you to Jacob Garcia and Megan McCabe for helping me pinpoint some issues that we had this week uh, of that we're recording uh, and, and making sure that we get the episodes out to everybody. We really appreciate that. And uh, you get pulleys for being uh, wonderful fans. Yeah. So thank you all for listening. And uh, yeah, one more time, read King and Black number one mm-hmm. before you listen to the next part of the show. <laughs> Because we're going to spoil the hell out of the book. Can't say we didn't warn you. It's a brand new comic. Read it. It's really good, too. So enjoy this chat with Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman about King of Black, number one. Um, all right. So let's bring us into King of Black, uh, number one, because that's the new guy. Same creative team, which is you know really nice, bringing that the synergy and everything together again. I really love the splash page here in king of black number one double page and i i yeah man that's like as much as i love that first one this one just rules it really rules venom is cool and big and it just feels he feels like a such a bigger part of the marvel universe both literally and 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 you know metaphorically yeah this is another instance where i just felt like my marching orders were to try again to draw the best Venom splash page that ever existed. And I think I, I think I got closer than I did on issue one of Venom here. I think this is one of my, you know, this is one of the seminal images from our run, in my opinion. That's the thing, Ryan, that I, I'm so glad you mentioned because it has been kind of a revelation for me again and again, going back to issue one. And then as this story has progressed and as we've seen the fan reaction, which has been insane it feels like venom i can't tell really if venom has always just been like this sleeper fan favorite that is now elevated to the point of like okay this is an a-list book with an a-list character or if it's kind of just vacillated between being that and being you know kind of a, a quieter favorite for people but it's really felt like it's tapped into a crazy passion that people have for this character and allowed that to live in such a big way. And that exactly, like you said, Ryan, it reflects itself in the universe. It reflects itself in the world where now Eddie is, you know, he's in that splash. He's uh, you know, the, the Avengers are getting a, a, a notification that uh, something's up and he's right alongside them there. Um, as we dive into like what is an enormous issue again, talking about the events inside the issue and then the sheer number of pages. Ryan, you talked about designing the dragon, designing the the stuff going on in issue number one. Behind the scenes here at Marvel, I feel like you've been working on King and Black for a year. Um, and it, I, I it, have. That's, that's true, yes. I was about to ask, like, how long have you been working on this series? And what's that been like to kind of just put all of your focus and attention into this major, major moment in, in this character story. Well, so I, I mean, in a way, I, I don't want to say I got lucky, but the, the, this whole sort of shutdown, this, this book was supposed to come out, would have come out a while ago. Um, and I would have been drawing at a breakneck pace and, you know, there would have been corners cut here and there, but because it got moved back, uh, I feel like I don't, there's not a page in here that I'm not, proud of especially in, in all the issues that I've drawn like you guys haven't seen some of them but uh, every single one is you know to the best of my ability I feel like and that's that's not always the case and it, you know I I think it's reflected in the uh, in the pages but I mean I don't know if if 
if it would have come out sooner, if I would have even been able to do all of it, because there is so much going on in this issue. Like <laughs> it is, it, I mean, it's the thing I appreciated about it is that, you know, Donnie wrote it where we just, you're just plopped into the middle of all this action right from page one. And, but then the, it just never relents. And it's like 15 characters having, you know, this happen or, or, or dragons being blown up by nuclear weapons and uh, you know, it's it, it, it it's nearly impossible to draw. I can't believe it actually exists at this point. Like <laughs> yeah, I look I back mean, and I'm I, like, wow. I honestly, it was it was it was this 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 issue is is an expression as much of uh, or a rather a declaration as much as anything else is that for two and a half years now we've been promising that God is coming and we've been like threading these 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 things not just through Venom but through Silver Surfer and Guardians of the Galaxy and and in Thor and and all the titles that I write and 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 reflected in parts of um, War of the Realms and 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 Jason Aaron's Thor there's talk of Null and so there's this, been this big promise and so issue one issue one had to show up and show you like what that means what that really means when when he shows up just how incredibly bad it's gonna be and so yeah like for those of you who haven't read it i mean full spoilers on but like within the first five pages uh iron man detonates like a million nuclear bombs in space against a billion dragons like that's on like page five you yeah. know, like, it, it, and, and then it just, it just, it just keeps on going. I mean, it just keeps on going. And that's the thing is we wanted, uh, it, it was very purposeful of us when we were at the Marvel summits, um, that we wanted issue one to feel like the final issue of every other Marvel event. Like we wanted it to feel because like a normal, you know, arc for an event or really any story is that, you know, towards the end of your third arc, you get to that all all hope is lost point. You know, it's always like ascension and then oh, there's a loss. And now we're at a oh, now all hope is lost. We were like, let's get to all hope is lost in issue one. Like, let's 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 have a definitive win uh, for null. I mean, do we, do we just want to talk yep. about how much of a, defi- of, of a definitive win it I, is for Noel? I do, because that, that's that's a great point to talk about, like the escalation of of hostilities here. But one of my favorite little bits and is just feels like a fun bit of watching you two work, uh, you and the team is Captain America running after the bombs have gone off and after that's like not worked and he's like you know he's yelling this is not a drill people this is it this is and then the next page the um, one of my favorite double page splashes and it's just the king in black up top and you see like the fantastic four and like that i just like just you can hear the music really going it's like hell yeah yeah. this is the (laughs) yeah yeah well, we really wanted it to feel again like, you know, Absolute Carnage was our last event, but Absolute Carnage was very much kind of a Venom and family event. You know, it was Spider-Man and Carnage and, um, you know, the assorted kind of Spider-Man corner of the world, you know, and it kind of took place over a, like a, a few series of like city blocks. And so we wanted to establish like right up front with that splash with, with our title page that this is an all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is everyone like no one is going to sit this one out. Um, and so we wanted to do that big splash page to, to show you what just what time it is. One of the one of the coolest things that I love, and Ryan, this I think directly goes to. to I'm going to ask you about this, which is 
it, it, the the way that scenes kind of hand off to one another really um engenders like a quick pace about it like whether it's right. hand off to like the card of you know the, the the title of king of black whether it's you know characters kind of finishing each other's sentences and it moves you know moves along right. really fast that does such a perfect job at whether consciously or not um making the reader just feel like anxiety and the pace of it all and panic yeah exactly exactly yeah. Yeah. Ryan, when you're putting yeah, that yeah. together, is that something that like you are more conscious of than usual? Are you saying like, how can I pull every string to make this uneasy, or is it more of a um, a, a matter of like the 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 story is going to tell itself, and I just have to do a great job at you know at, at, at acting or portraying the the um, the action. Well, I mean, I think it's a testament to Donnie's writing, but I also think that it's definitely something that I that I'm conscious of while I'm doing it. Like, how do I how do I push the tension here? How do I, you know, like how can I lay this? Like, so you know, you go from the the King in Black. This is the King in Black, and then you know you have this wide shot of the city, and all this frenetic stuff has happened. Then we kind of slow down, and the paneling um, in the scene with uh, Eddie and Dylan, while it's still a frenetic scene is much more subdued it's nor it's you know there's not like things breaking the panel borders and so i'm trying to tell you there like we're slowing down we're slowing down and then you know you go right back to double page spread of dragons and you see captain america and you see living lightning and all these character doctor strange and yeah like that was something that when we were in the room conceiving of this thing it was it was the the refrain that we kept coming back to was that we wanted it to be a full marvel events. So I, I tried to make sure that I was giving all the characters their spotlight. So, you know, you you got this spread, you got Captain America up front, you get the big shot of Captain America and, you know, like all, all those types of things to try to make it feel as huge as possible. What what you're you're talking about is like, um, you know, one character speaking on one page and then, then you turn the page and another character seemingly picks up that same piece of dialogue in a different scene um or, or or pieces of dialogue carrying over from scene to scene or even changing from location to location on a single page it's all kind of designed purposely so that so that, so that readers are 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 taken off balance and readers are put into a mode where they're jumping around and being shown things so fast that it's meant to feel chaotic it's meant to feel like you're in the middle of a war zone and it's it's you're kind of being assaulted from all sides and you as the reader are never safe like you're always at the heart of everything moving around and and like you know again it's one of those things where we wanted to make sure that people understood that like no one is sitting this out you know that like when we're jumping around and stuff we're showing you like you know it's something that we talk about a lot of like showing um uh, it's something that we don't do enough at uh, of, in comics in general is, you know, it's really it's re- it's a really cool thing to do. Like if, a, you know, if if a if a big badass character sees something really scary and isn't scared by it at all and then like, you know, picks up their hammer and just like, let's go. But it's also but but the inverse of that is really terrifying 
is when someone like Captain America or Iron Man or someone sees something and you see genuine fear on their face. Like like this character that you think of as this stalwart, ever-ready hero sees something and goes like, oh my god, we gotta run. Right. You know, there, there's actually there's actually a moment in issue two um, where um, uh, I don't want to spoil anything too much, but um, there's a moment like that where we see uh, Spider-Man in a genuine look of panic and and like and fear on his face that like like Nicklo, Devin, Ryan, everybody, when like the art came in, everyone was just like. Oh my god, dude! It's so scary to see Spider-Man so so scared. Like like, cause you want like Spider-Man's the guy that that you're like, oh, Spider-Man's here. It's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be okay. Spidey's here. But then Spidey shows up and he's just like, I'm totally not okay. I don't know how to deal with this. You know, like it's 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 terrifying. You know, uh, I don't. I'm trying to rack my brain about what the hell that could be, because in issue one, we've got not just the dragons raining down and covering the entire city and probably the world in Venom Goop. We've got Celestials descending onto the city. And I love the line <laughs> from from Tony's yeah. like, what what am I looking at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you OK? Do you need <laughs> do you need help? The two of you, because that sounds nightmarish. Yeah, we were talking about it like in the room. That was a big point of not contention, but like I kind of had this idea of like I was like, well, you know what, dude, for 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 like for years now, everyone everyone knows they think they know what it's going to look like when Null shows up. It's going to be Null and like a bunch of dragons, right? Like, duh, everyone knows that's what's going to be. And I was like, man, but like what if we can throw a like a curveball in there and there's something else? And we went into the summit like the next day and uh, and Ryan and I were like, hey, well, we have this thing that we want to do. Um, what if like three symbiote covered celestials also drop down in the middle of everything? And like Tom Brevoort and like Nick Lowe and everybody were just like that. That seems like overkill, man. Like you got to <laughs> you got a lot of stuff going on already. And I was like, that's the point, though. Like, that's the point. Like, I want. I want the Avengers and, and like Eddie and everyone to feel like they know what they're dealing with. Like they're, they're like, OK, we, we we're preparing for dragons and this one guy, you know, and then like, you know, it's just it just like this 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 reign of darkness just seemingly never, never ends, you know, and there's and they're these three celestials that Null has killed on his way to earth and covered in his horde. And so they're dead, but they're like animated with like, like symbiote dragons and like their chests open up and like pour symbiote dragons out of them. And that's actually where Null makes his first appearance is one of those celestials chest opens up and like puts like a gangplank out and, Null's first appearance is very regal as he like flaunts out of a celestial's chest. It's one of my favorite pages in the entire thing is when Null walks out. Null, and I, I wrote that scene so many different ways of like what Null is going to say. And I was like, you know what, dude, he's he's not Thanos. He's not Dr. Doom. Like, this is just another day for Null. Like, this is not he this this isn't personal for him. So like when he walks out, his dialogue is very casual. He walks out and he's just like, I'm going to kill your entire world. Um, yeah. There is there is one thing I'd like to get from you guys. Um, 
So if you guys could get that to me, um, I'll I'll make the death as painless as possible. Anyway, talk to you in a little bit. Like it's, <laughs> it's like, he's just like he's just not he's just not phased by by anything ever. Like he's more amused. Like even when Storm starts like firing down like lightning and starts hitting stuff, like Null's expression, how Ryan's acting on Null's face is Null always looks up at stuff and goes like, "Oh, what is that? Yeah, that's." That's kind of cool. Let me look at you. Come here. Let me <laughs> let, let me look at what you are. You know, I it, it really really comes across. I think how quickly the heroes of this story are overwhelmed, and what was so striking about it. You guys were talking about wanting to make the first issue of this story feel like the last issue of any other event. Is how quickly cap and uh the x-men and everyone say we need to fall back we need to find another way to go about this because what's happening right now is yeah. is disastrous and it's not going to work um in particular i i cannot do a spoiler uh episode about king black without talking about what happens with our dear old pal bob reynolds because Oh man, that is something again behind the scenes that I've been hearing for a long time. I've been very excited to see, and I still was not ready for it. Um, Are it feels you like okay, one of those Tucker? That, You're like I, very excited to see the the ripping apart of a <laughs> golden god. <laughs> it is the coolest. It it is. It just comes across so well that that spirit that you guys were looking for. You know, that is that is. Uh... That's almost 10 years of revenge in the making for when Sentry picked up Carnage and took him into space <laughs> and tore him in half like tissue paper. Um, if you notice, if you read that, those panels, those are, those are a panel by panel remake of two iconic Sentry scenes. Uh, one is in uh, Bendis's uh, new Avengers number one, when Sentry flies out of, um, out of the, the raft and takes Carnage up into space, and it's like that entirely silent, like silent uh, page, and then just tears him in half nonchalantly. And then the other one, obviously, the iconic scene from Siege where Sentry rips Ares in half. And uh, yeah, that was a thing that. Um, so we're recording this before this issue has come out, and so I'm just gonna go ahead and assume. That as this issue come or as this episode comes out, Ryan and I are being inundated on Twitter with people very upset with <laughs> yeah. us um, about this because people have been since we since the very day that yeah, I think Venom number four came out and we introduced Null and gave him his origin and called him the Lord of the Abyss and the God of the Void. And there have been a million people on Twitter and Instagram and online and wherever calling for the sentry, like the sentry must fight. Null. like, like, like they're like, like null and void. Like it's a pun, blah, 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 blah. Right. And then, Obviously, people look back at, 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 at the stuff that I've written, and, you know, I've always said that, like, kind of everything that I write at Marvel kind of ties together, and obviously, in, in my Doctor Strange run, with a, a mine and Gabriel Walta's Strange run, we were the people who resurrected Sentry, uh, uh, um, right? Um, and people were like, oh, so that's why he you brought him back, because of the Null thing and everything, and so... Um, all I'll say about that is that, um, yeah, I'm the guy who brought him back, 
and uh, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to show uh, there is no better way of showing how powerful a character is uh, than Captain America and Iron Man, everybody being real cocky about sicking their big gun on him and the big gun just uh, getting taken out like it's uh, another walk in the park. Yeah. Like people, people need to, people need to understand that in, in Null's origin, one of the first things we ever see Null do in his origin is he beheads a celestial and then uses his severed head as a forge to create the first symbiotes. Like this guy is not someone to play around with as we uh, all now know. The, the, I, I made the mistake of showing on Twitter that, uh, that Sentry would be in this book and just because, yes, like, I just wanted to show the, this little drawing, you know, just get people hyped. And the amount of tweets that I got that were like, thank you so much for bringing Sentry back. This is going to be the best event ever. I can't wait to read this. And I'm just like, oh, dear. Oh, <laughs> what yeah. have I done? I know. They were, I actually texted Ryan. I, he's, he, uh, he, he always gets up way before me because he has, he has children. Um, and I woke up and got on Twitter and saw that that image had been posted and saw like the dozens and dozens of like, Oh my God, century. Yes. This is going to be amazing. Thank you guys so much. And I texted Ryan. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you being so mean to them? And he was just like, Oh, that's right. I guess I am being mean. <laughs> oh no. Well done. Uh, speaking of being mean, as you mentioned, Null, he's a mean boy. He uh, he basically wraps up the, the the world in a bunch of symbiotes. And when Eddie finally gets to, in, you know, meet his maker, as you, you say in the book, uh, it gets real bad, real quick for poor little yep. Eddie. Yes, it does. Um, yeah, to put a finer note on it, you know, we've seen, um, you know, when the, when the event starts, those dragons, those billions of dragons, they... They start just like smashing into the earth and covering the buildings and covering the whole city. And so I wanted to up that ante again. I wanted people to, to be like, oh, my God, is is all of New York City like covered in symbiotes? Like, like, that's insane. And then I wanted people to understand, like, no, this is a worldwide event. And so Null got very annoyed that Sentry came down from out of orbit. And so Null was just like, no more no more of that, and so yeah, yeah. He 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 threw a bunch, a, a couple, a couple billion of his dragons up into the sky and created a, a dome around the entire Earth. Um, so this this is now planet of the symbiotes. This is now the new the the new planet Clintar. This is the the new cage, um, and we're all trapped in it with 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 Null. And Eddie makes a Eddie makes a hail mary, man. At the end of it, he makes a big hail mary of you know, like when Null shows up in the first issue. Obviously, if you've read it, he says, um, you know, um, I'm I'm just here for Brock. Like I just want Brock, and if you'll give me Brock, I'll 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 kill your world like as painlessly as humanly possible. And so then Eddie's just like, okay, I'll I'll give him what he wants. Like it's either me or the whole world. And so fine, let let's go do it. And so he does. And um, yeah, Noel kind of looks at Eddie and goes like, I don't I don't I don't know who you are. Who are you? What are you? And Eddie's like, it's me. It's the guy that you want. And uh, they're on top of the Empire State Building. 
And Null goes, oh, ah, my, my bad. I, I should have specified which Brock. And then rips Eddie's symbiote off of him and then drops him off of the Empire State Building. <laughs> which are those three pages, those last three pages are some of my favorites that you've done, Ryan. The, the double page of the, the ripping off and then just that shot through Null's hand of, of Eddie falling. It's, it's great stuff, dude. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, so that's where we leave issue one um, um, with the idea, the notion that, um, yeah, Null was never here for Eddie. Um, it's about that little boy. Um, and so it's the whole world, the whole world, the, those of them that are left that didn't get swallowed uh, by by Null's hordes. It's the whole world trying to, to, to protect um, one small little boy against the, the Lord of the Abyss who just shredded the sentry in half uh, like he was standing still. So um, things don't get better for a while. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, which is safe to say we've got lots more King and Black coming in the next couple of weeks as we go into more issues of King and Black, more tie-in issues, more Venom issues, more awesome stuff. We're also going to have a conversation about uh, King and Black on This Week in Marvel, our other show, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Ryan, Donnie, thank you for joining us on these episodes and uh, talking about some damn fine comic books. Well, thanks for having us. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you much. Donnie and Ryan, what else can you say about them boys um just unbelievable talents uh you know it's so fun having these reading club conversations because sometimes we talk to writers and artists who uh, have been in the business for decades sometimes we talk to writers and artists who have um only emerged in recent years um and it's so much fun for me to have a conversation like that and be like i don't know i have a feeling that in some years time, we're gonna be looking back on something like this, something like their Venom run, something like King in Black and really, really uh, appreciating what a big moment it was. So to, to, to be able to talk to them in the, at the time of release uh, and dig into all those great details is just uh, a real pleasure. Indeed. Uh, that about wraps it up for us this week. This episode of Marvel's Fullest was produced by Ryan Panagos, Tucker Marquez, Jorge Estrada, MR Daniel, and Megan Bagala. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio, and Brad Barton is Marvel's Polis audio development manager. He's also been petitioning to be called the Duke in Dark Gray to try to, you know, work with the King in Black. But uh, I'm sorry, Brad, I don't think that's really landing. It's so specific. Dark Gray. <laughs> so specific. The Duke in Gunmetal Gray. Uh, CMYK code specific. Uh, I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. Your universe.